You are listening to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk, and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest, and most confident version of yourself. Welcome back to the Live Diet Free Podcast. Our favorite dietitian, Lauren, is here today, and we're going to be talking about getting to the bottom of weight loss plateaus. We know this is something that's super frustrating when you feel like you're doing everything right and you don't have anything to show for it, or maybe you feel like you're doing the same things that were working and now they're not, and you're feeling stuck and don't really know where to go from here. It's very tempting to kind of jump ship and say, okay, well, if this isn't working, I need something totally different. Or let me go back to that thing that worked before. So we're going to kind of walk through today, number one, how to know if you are actually in a plateau or if you're just being impatient. Then sort of the rundown on what kind of stones to overturn to figure out what needs to change. So with that, let me back up a second and have you, Lauren, introduce yourself a little bit. Lauren is our EA coaching staff dietitian. She works directly with a lot of our standard and club clients. She also does group calls every month and is an incredible resource for our ladies. Um, so Lauren, tell us a little bit about your yourself, your background, your full-time job, um, that sort of thing. Well, thank you again so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be back. I always enjoy coming on here and hanging out with you guys. Um, so like she said, my name is Lauren Moss. I am a registered dietitian. I've been with EA coaching for a little over a year now. I live in North Carolina and I work full time at a private practice. And to a lot of you, you might be like, well, what does that really mean? <laughs> well, so private practices are usually privately owned companies and doctors in the community will refer their patients to us for something called medical nutrition therapy. So that can be anywhere from just basic weight loss to diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease. And what's great about it is insurance has come a really long way. So a lot of insurances will actually cover fully medical nutrition therapy. Um, I'm also a single mom. So I just continue to juggle everything while having fun at the same time. <laughs> I love it. And uh, we're recording this. It's, it's mid-afternoon for me except that my son is homesick um, and it's early morning for Lauren. So her son is sleeping. So there is a chance that a, uh, <laughs> a tiny voice may be heard in the background at some point, but, uh, but that's our lives. So yes, let's get into this topic of plateaus because I know it's a major frustration for basically anyone who has ever tried to lose weight. So let's get everybody on the same page with defining a plateau. What when when you're working with a client who's feeling frustrated, what are kind of the things that you ask to get clear on what's really going on here? Is it impatience? Is it overlooking your progress? Or is this a true plateau? So overall, a plateau is defined as a state of little or no change, followed by a period of activity or progress. It's, you know, at first you might you start out on your weight loss journey and you know you're losing weight at a healthy pace one to two pounds a week and then all of a sudden nothing is budging so their weight loss has basically stalled or in other words plateaued 
And these plateaus can last anywhere from eight to 12 weeks, maybe even longer, maybe shorter, depending on the individual. And just like you said, you have to ask yourself, are you being patient? Because again, I think this is a common theme that we've brought up in all of the episodes I've been on with you, but consistency is key and time will tell. So find a routine that works, a flexible schedule, and just make sure you're hitting the main points, caloric deficit, high protein, strength training, your overall daily activity and steps, hydration, proper sleep, stress management. So another thing to realize is weight loss plateaus will happen and should be expected. No weight loss journey is ever linear and there will always be fluctuations. Um, And then we have to remember that the scale is only one form of progress. So yes, weight loss plateaus are possible and they're often frustrating, like we've all been there. But we have to make sure, are we hitting a plateau in other areas of progress? Are we still losing inches? Are we still seeing differences in our progress photos? How are our clothes fitting? What about our workouts? Are we gaining any strength? Um, So before jumping to the conclusion that you are in fact in a plateau, Go through the checklist and evaluate the following. So look at your weight trends over the past 8 to 12 weeks. Again, look at your inches lost over the same time frame. Compare your progress pictures, strength progression. But then you can also look at other things. So, for example, if you've gone to the doctor and you've had lab work done, is your blood blood cholesterol looking better? You know, is your A1C decreasing if you're a diabetic? So after going through all of these possibilities, and in fact, you're actually not seeing any form of progress, then yes, you might have hit a plateau. And that's when you need to reach out to your coach to kind of get a guide to see what's next. This is so good. There are several things I want to go back to. First one, eight to 12 weeks. This is that right there is such an indicator of how most of us are not actually in a plateau. We're just impatient. I've seen so many you know, kind of freak outs over the scale didn't move this week, or it's been a couple weeks. And this is such a good reminder to really kind of pump the brakes and zoom out and remind yourself that this is a long process. And there are so many variables at play that, like you said, it's it's normal. It's to be expected that things are going to level off at some point. And if it's only been a matter of a week, two weeks, even three weeks, there's there's probably nothing to do, but stay consistent, stay patient. The other thing I see really often is just a hyper-focus on the scale and sometimes even an admission of, yeah, my clothes are fitting better. Yes, I have more energy. Yes, like basically everything in my life is improving, but the scale hasn't moved, so I must be in a plateau. What should I do? Should I slash calories? Should I be working out more? So I think it's so, so important. And this is another area where having a coach kind of advisor can be beneficial is it's when you're emotional, when you're in your own head, it's hard to give kind of equal airtime to all of the different metrics. And sometimes having someone else tell you, well, right, but aren't these things important to you too? And aren't they improving? To just kind of keep the scale in perspective. So right off the bat to anyone who is listening, if the scale is the only thing that you're tracking or really caring about, you have to start paying attention to more things because there are so many reasons that the scale won't reflect the actual progress you're making and you're setting yourself up for for a world to hurt if that's all that you're looking at. 
And then the last thing I wanted to touch on is just the the opportunity to reframe how you think about a plateau. We tend to immediately go to the negative of I'm stuck, nothing is working, that sort of thing. But in reality, being quote unquote stuck at a new low weight is not a bad thing. It's an opportunity for you to practice maintaining a new low for that to become your norm and to then continue moving from there to kind of prove to yourself that this isn't going to be a fleeting thing. I really have established the lifestyle, the mindset to have this be my new normal. So being in a plateau is not a bad thing. It's an opportunity for you to show yourself that I, you know, I have the skills or to highlight these are where I need to fill in some gaps because I am struggling to get out of the mentality of if the scale is not moving, nothing's working. Because that's the ultimate goal. When you reach your your weight loss goal, then the the lifelong goal becomes maintain. Stay within, you know, a handful of pounds of that. So if at the end of the day, the scale is not going to be moving. You need other things that are going to motivate you and help you see that you're on the right track and that what you're doing is working. Yes, exactly. And I almost always, I have a few clients in maintenance and not that it's, not that I want to scare people or like, you know, make them think anything negative of it, but oftentimes the hardest part of this journey is maintaining because think about it, you work for, for so long to get to a certain goal weight or anything. And then it's like a big, deep release of like, oh my gosh, I did it. Okay, well, that wasn't too hard. And then maybe sometimes you loosen up the reins, you splurge, you might celebrate a bit. But And I'm not saying you can't do those things, but it's just looking at your life and your lifestyle in a completely different way versus how you used to be before you started this journey. That's such a great point because you're you're absolutely right. I think sometimes finally reaching a long-term weight loss goal can feel pretty anticlimactic that you know uh-huh. for so long this was the thing that was driving you and you were feeling like, "Oh, this is going to be different. This is going to be better." And you can then kind of see that number and be like, "Oh, well, my life is pretty much the same as it was, you know, yeah. 2 pounds ago, 5 pounds ago." Um, so then it's figuring out, all right, well, now what's driving me? And this is why, uh-huh. you know, we talk all the time about learning how to maintain while you're losing so that mm-hmm. instead of it being this major shift, you're just like, oh, well, I keep doing the things that I've been doing. I keep, I maintain the habits that I've built and I just kind of carry on. But you mentioned something that's a really great segue of starting to kind of loosen the reins, whether you've reached your goal or not. Something that we see really often is once the new habits and behaviors aren't new anymore, once they do start to feel relatively ingrained, it's very easy to get a little bit complacent and to kind of slip in in seemingly small ways. Can you touch on how that can have an impact on being in a quote-unquote plateau? For sure. I mean, you you hit it right on the head. So for example, when something is new, when you when you are tracking food and you are measuring and you're using your food scale and your measuring cups, you're very precise because you're learning something new. You want to make sure that you're doing it right. And over time, we, you know, it takes what, 21 to 28 days to form a habit. It just becomes part of our life. So I have been on my own weight loss and maintenance journey for what, 15, 20 years. And no, I will be the first to admit, I don't whip out my food scale every single day. 
But however, I still need to check in with myself because for example, portion sizes will eventually over time increase because think about it. If we eyeball like a four ounce chicken breast based off of our palm size on our hand, eventually it might creep up to four and a half and then it might creep up to five and a half. Same thing if we measure out like a half a cup of rice. Two years later, it might eventually become one cup because just over time, our our ability to eyeball a serving size has increased. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but calories add up here and there, but not just portion sizes. So maybe your workouts have decreased in intensity or frequency. You know, if you start a new um, lifestyle journey, oftentimes that includes nutrition, but also working out. So let's say you start a new program and it's 12 weeks long. You kill it. But then afterwards, you're like, well, that was fun and I saw results. But what now? So Mm -hmm. you might just kind of go back to what you were doing, which might have been, you know, just walking or some simple dumbbell workouts. So you're not really challenging yourself physically anymore. Um, So those two things kind of come into play in that in that format. That's so helpful. This is the number one thing that I see. And it's you nailed it, that it's like this gradual change. And this is not to like scare anybody into thinking you need to be tracking your food and using a food scale for forever. This is why we talk about tracking being a tool. You, of course, want to start testing yourself, start eyeballing, seeing how close you are. And also, you know that that tool is always available to you for when you do start to realize, you know what, my progress has slowed down. I've kind of gotten away from those early behaviors that were helping me be successful. Why don't I return to them like I'm a beginner? And that can do it right there is you realize, oh yeah, well, my, you know, tablespoon of peanut butter, (laughs) actually a tablespoon and a half. The, you know, the handful of chips that I snacked on before dinner there's another extra 100 calories. The things that I sort of turned a blind eye to and told myself, oh, it's small, it doesn't matter, it's insignificant. Those things can add up. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes with tools like tracking, we want to graduate from them. We want to not need them more quickly than actually makes sense. And I know I've used examples like this before, but think of like you're trying to hang a bunch of pictures in your house and you've got a good system down. You've got your hammer, you've got your nails, you're doing the things. And then you get like three quarters of the way there and you're like, you know what? I don't, I shouldn't need the hammer anymore. I have done, you know, 15 paintings. I know what to do. I just don't need the hammer. And now you're trying to like bang the nails in with your hand. Like yeah. you have just made your own life harder for no reason. If the hammer is still serving a purpose, use it until it's not. So it's the same thing with tracking. There's no rush to graduate from it if it's still helping you be successful. And at the same time, when you do stop or take a break from it for whatever reason, there's nothing that says you can't pick it back up again. It's not like a one and done, you've used up your only opportunity. It's, hey, you know what? I'm noticing some things that are trending in the wrong direction. What tools are in my disposal or at my disposal to help me get myself back to where I want to be? Okay, so that's all really solid. And I would say that's probably the number one thing that Mm -hmm. we start off, we're hitting that like, you know, 85% consistency threshold. And then little by little, we're closer to like 82, 80, 78, 75, 65. Like we're still doing the majority of the things, but like you said, not with the intensity or the focus that we have been. And generally our first stop, whenever we have a client who's frustrated by a lack of progress is let's really get honest with ourselves. Let's kind of turn that self-awareness on and say, 
you know, kind of take ownership of this. Are there any areas of the big rocks that I have let slip recently? And doing it from a place of compassion. It's no, it's not a problem. I'm human. It happens. And also now that I'm aware that that's probably what's going on here, what am I going to do about it? So with all that said, what are some things that you see people tend to blame for their plateaus that may or may not have merit, but more often than not kind of serve as a distraction or like a scapegoat? Um, So I think the most common thing brought up for me personally, working in private practice, but also you guys is usually age or oftentimes menopause Mm. Um, because the majority of our clients, well, all of them are women. So oftentimes I'll hear, oh my gosh, Lauren, my weight hasn't budged in like a couple weeks. I think my hormones are out of whack or maybe menopause is making this process harder. Now, yes, there is some proof of that. And I will emphasize some. So there are so many hormones raging in our body from the time we're born to the time we pass away. And your thyroid hormone is the only one, the one and only hormone that is directly related to your basal metabolic rate. So your basal metabolic rate is how many calories you specifically need to basically survive to maintain what you currently weigh. Now, if someone has hypothyroid, which is an underactive thyroid hormone, their BMR, yes, it's actually about 10% less than someone, you know, of the same average size and sex that does not have hypothyroid. But that doesn't make weight loss impossible. It will just make someone's caloric deficit a bit lower in order to see that weight loss. Now, menopause does not directly affect one's weight. And I emphasize directly (laughs) because it might indirectly impact it. For example, when going through menopause and hormones are fluctuating, you know, one of the main things is you could be tired. If you don't have as much energy that you once did, your daily activity will decrease, even if you don't mean it to. For example, you you know, you you once had the energy to run around and do errands, do this, do that, have like a play date, take your kids to after school soccer, or, you know, clean the house five times a day. But that might not be happening anymore. And those daily steps add up over time. So aka, you are burning less calories. Other hormones might affect food cravings. So you might be craving more comfort foods, Now, for me, that might be sweets. For others, it might be, you know, more carb-heavy dishes, maybe something you grew up with that you think, you know, your mom made for you when you were little. But in the end, it still comes down to a caloric deficit. So, yes, when we're going through menopause, we have all of these things that can be impacting the decisions that we make. But in the end, it's still our decision, and we still have to make sure that we're parenting ourselves. And other things that I've come across are statements like, Lauren, I think I'm eating too many carbs or Lauren, I think I'm going to try intermittent fasting to help boost my metabolism, kickstart this weight loss journey again. Now, a calorie is a calorie, whether it's at 6 a.m. or at 8 p.m. Now, there is some research linking the benefits of intermittent fasting with specific populations like athletes or even diagnosed binge eaters, but not the average adult. We always want to make sure that we're eating to fuel our body. So, yes, there's a lot of different things going on in terms of, you know, like what could be the cause of someone's plateau. 
If you're enjoying this episode, I want to invite you to join us in our coaching program, Gone for Good. Gone for Good is our signature 12-week coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your weight loss and health goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after. Whether you want to lose 5 pounds, 50 pounds, or 150 pounds, we can help you in Gone for Good. For all the info and to join, go to estherabant.com slash coaching. That's such a perfect answer. It's, yes, everything is connected and bodies are complex. And also, at the end of the day, we do still have control over the choices that we're making, the lifestyle that we create, how we approach all of this. Um, I would go back and listen to that whole segment again, especially the piece on hormones, because it's so, so important that we demystify. I feel like hormones have just become kind of this swirling umbrella catch-all for like, "Mm, I don't like what's happening. I don't really want to do anything about it, or I don't know what to do. So I'm going to blame my hormones because they're mysterious and that sort of thing. So it's just so important to realize that, you know, when you said someone who is uh, has hypothyroidism, their BMR is 10% less. 10% is not a huge amount. I think sometimes mm-hmm. people think, oh, I'm, you know, my metabolism is broken. I don't, my BMR yeah. is, is zero. Like that's, that's never the case. There yeah. are, there's a range. And some people actually, I had my BMR tested a couple times and it was on the very low end of kind of what would be expected for someone my age and and height and things like that. It just is what it is. So at the end of the day, do you want that to be like the excuse that stops you in your tracks? Oh, I have it, you know, I have a an obstacle. I have some friction here that I need to overcome. And I'm just not going to. I'm just going to sit myself down and let this be it. Or I'm going to say, okay, I'm up for the challenge. I will deal with whatever it is that I'm facing and and handle it to the best of my ability. Okay. I feel like we would be doing everyone a disservice if we did not touch on the myth of starvation mode and explain metabolic adaptation a little bit because this gets so often misconstrued and misunderstood, largely on social media where... <laughs> It just it just does. Um, so, what can you tell us about starvation mode and what's actually happening as our bodies get smaller and as we are in a deficit? So this is where it gets kind of fun for me because a lot of the science comes into play. <laughs> so, starvation mode is the supposed state a person is in when an excessive approach to weight loss has slowed down their metabolic rate enough to completely prevent further weight loss from happening or possibly even cause someone to gain weight, even though a caloric deficit remains present. The supposed causes of this starvation mode are not eating enough calories, burning too many calories, being in too large of a caloric deficit, or being in a caloric deficit for too long. Um, And the only way to supposedly get out of this state and start losing weight again is by eating more calories, not less. But when we break it down, yes, starvation mode is a myth. The truth is a caloric deficit will always work. There are no exceptions to this. The laws of something called thermodynamics always applies to everyone. 
as long as you're being consistent in a caloric deficit, weight loss will and should happen. Now, the cause of starvation mode, they claim, is a huge drop in metabolic rate, meaning eating too little supposedly causes your metabolism to slow down to a point where it completely prevents weight loss from happening. Now, this is false. However, one part is actually kind of true, and that's when you brought up the metabolic adaptation. So the true part is that being in a deficit does indeed cause your metabolic rate to slow down over time. And this occurs during any prolonged deficit and after any amount of weight loss. And it happens for two main reasons. Now, think of it this way. A smaller body burns fewer calories. Your body burns calories maintaining organs, fat, muscle mass that you have. So the more that you weigh, the more that you'll naturally burn. So for this reason, as you gradually lose weight, you'll gradually burn fewer calories, both at, excuse me, both at rest, but also during activity due to the simple fact that you weigh less than you previously did. And then just like you brought up, metabolic adaptation, which is another term for adaptive thermogenesis. Now, research and the real world experience have actually shown that as we lose weight, a person's metabolism slows down more than we would predict based on weight loss alone. This extra amount of slowdown is known as metabolic adaptation, and it occurs as part of your body's survival response to weight loss, which is kind of cool when, uh, when you think about it. So metabolic adaptation means the ability of our bodies to adjust its own metabolism according to what we eat. So metabol metabolic adaptation is therefore our body's natural response to starvation, which in our society most often comes from the form of dieting or when we're in a caloric deficit. When we diet and lose weight, our energy requirements go down and the following changes can actually happen. So the energy used to digest our food goes down because we, we, we are eating less. The energy used to maintain our bodily functions decrease because our body becomes smaller. And like I said earlier, we burn fewer calories during exercise because we weigh less. And I always like to relate things to a real life situation. So, for example, let's say we have a friend, Sally. Sally needs about 2000 calories every day to maintain what she currently weighs. And she eats that amount consistently and stays the same size. And then one day she decides, okay, I'm ready to lose some weight. So she cuts her calorie intake down to 1600. The number on the scale starts to go down for a while. And then all of a sudden she stops losing weight and she's maintaining her new weight despite still being at a 1600 calorie deficit. Basically her body has adapted to the smaller supply of calories to prevent further weight loss and starvation. So this means that 1600 calories is her new maintenance level. Basically, she's almost adapted a new BMR, a new basal metabolic rate. In order to continue to lose weight, she would have to either cut more calories or increase her physical activity. And at some point, this may become impossible as her calorie intake is already low and it's difficult to sustain such a low calorie diet without feeling hungry or run down. So metabolic adaptation basically ensures that she gains weight. So 
basically to make sure that she's able to function well physically and mentally. Right. So the adaptation doesn't cause weight gain at that 1600 calorie level. What it does is increases her hunger hormones and decreases her satiety hormones. So it's harder to stick to that 1600. It yes. makes her feel more fatigued, lethargic, exhausted. So she's if she's exercising, it's with less intensity than before. Outside of workouts, she's probably being less active because she's just feeling run down and like, I can't I can't do much more exactly. than I need to. So overall, her intake has probably gone up because of her hunger hormones. Her activity and general lifestyle has probably gone down. So it's not that 1600 calories is making her gain weight. It's that her body is working collectively to be like, hey, wait a second, we don't want you to wither away into nothing. So let's put some systems in place so that we can ensure you survive what must be this like yeah. cold, dark winter. Yeah, exactly. And another way to think about it. So I kind of mentioned it in my little spiel, you know, in our society, metabolic adaptation is mostly related to being on a diet or purposely being in a caloric deficit. But take us out of this situation what if we're in a third world, third world country and we don't have access to basic needs and the enough to, you know, fuel our body? What if we are in a boat crash and we're stranded on an island and we have to basically fend for ourselves? So it's really cool to think about like the science behind it. Basically, our bodies are trying to save our lives. Right. They just don't know that we're just trying to get into a size eight jeans. And yes. Like nothing is happening. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Yeah, it's that I think it always comes back to if you think about the photos you've seen of people in third, third world countries or prisoners of war in concentration camps, they are they're starving to death. So the idea that for some reason, because we live in a first world country where, you know, where we're safe and food is a plenty, somehow when we eat too little, we can't lose weight or we gain weight. But in other parts of the world and in other circumstances, you will literally die. That just doesn't check out. So no matter how often you hear it, give yourself that litmus test. Does it make sense that this person would gain weight from eating too little? And this person who's you know had anorexia for a decade is just skin and bones. It does not, it does not check nope. out. No, nope, it doesn't um, add up. But I think part of where it gets so confusing is that, you know, you in describing this, you know, talked about like survival mechanisms and things like that. We, you often hear it referred to as like, oh, your body's in survival mode. That's why you're not losing. So it's exactly what you said in the beginning. There's like a kernel of truth that just sort of gets misinterpreted and misconstrued in a way that ends up being very convenient for when you kind of want to shirk responsibility for doing what needs to be done. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I think we've hopefully sort of cleared up how you know if you're actually in a plateau, what generally causes it, what else to consider, that sort of thing. So if a person has deduced, I am actually, you know, it's been a month, month and a half, scale's not moving, no measurements, everything is just kind of status quo, I'm maintaining. How do you decide if you should decrease your calories and go into, you know, a new sort of step of your deficit. Is it time to increase calories and work on, you know, trying to establish a little bit of a higher new maintenance? How does a person know sort of the next step 
after recognizing, okay, I am in a plateau. So like I mentioned, um, whether you're, whether you're working with a coach or not, make sure that you're taking off all of the basics, all of the priorities, you know, go back to basics without those food scales, without the measuring cups, look at all forms of progress, not just the scale. And if you're, if you haven't seen a change eight to 12 weeks, then yes, you might be in a plateau. And this is where it comes down to the individual. For example, if I had someone start out at 210 pounds and maybe so far they've lost and they're down to 175, that could be an opportunity to maybe readjust your caloric deficit. Because like I mentioned, the smaller you are, the less calories that you need. So for example, if 1,700 calories was working for you at 210 pounds, just reevaluate what you would need for that caloric deficit target to continue losing weight because you're still at 175 and you still have a goal to get lower. Now, a healthy caloric deficit is about 10 to 20%. And that's to kind of help get you down maybe one to two pounds a week, which is the healthy way. So that would be one way to go about it. Now, I, I, personally don't feel comfortable taking anyone too, too low in calories. And that's another thing you might hear like, oh, 1200 calories is, is, is not enough. Yes and no. Again, it, it kind of breaks it down to the individual. For example, if we are an older woman, so the older we are, the fewer calories that we require. If we don't get as much daily activity as a younger person, then no, we don't need as much calories. If we're shorter, we don't require as many calories. So yes, there are a handful of women that might require 1,200 calories to lose weight. Now, personally, I don't feel comfortable going too much lower than that. So that's when something called reverse dieting comes into play. So reverse dieting is a strategic eating plan that involves gradually increasing your calorie intake over a few weeks or months to allow you to eat more food after a diet while also increasing your, your metabolic rate and preventing, hopefully, that you regain any fat. After this period, your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, has increased so just like we mentioned with metabolic adaptation, your BMR will decrease. And this is kind of a way to slowly over time increase it. So after you go through this period of reverse dieting, your BMR is set a bit higher, and then you can comfortably dip it back down into a caloric deficit, but you're still comfortable and you feel like you're eating enough, you're, you're, you're basically fueling your body. So good. And I appreciate the the debunking of the 1200 calorie thing. I see so often, and I, I do understand where it's coming from. People have a tendency to just slash calories to basically the, the lowest level when it's absolutely not necessary. But then you hear sort of the this rhetoric that, you know, my toddler needs more than that. No grown adult should ever be eating that little. I'm not even, I'm in my late 30s, but I'm small. I'm relatively inactive. If I were to try to lose weight, I would be around that amount and I'm not a toddler. So I think like with everything, you, you know, it it depends. There's like an asterisk by it that most people, 
needn't ever go that low. Some people do though. So there's, there's always kind of the gray area and very similar with, okay, do I reduce calories? Do I increase? Again, that's really kind of a case-by-case basis. If you are having trouble sticking to your current number and you feel like you're hungry and you keep going over and you're frustrated, the solution is that I, I see that so often where I'm having trouble sticking to this amount. Do you think we should go lower? Well, why do you think lower is going to be any easier? <laughs> so yeah. that's that's really a, a moment to, to reflect um, and not automatically assume that that's going to you know be the solution like you said if you have lost a good amount of weight if you do still have you know that that wiggle room to decrease you're still feeling good your head's still in it you have good energy all kind of the biofeedback is is good then okay sure keep going but also recognize and uh, we have an episode about reverse dieting but um also recognize that sometimes the most direct route to where you're going doesn't appear to be direct. Sometimes you are going to get to your goal fastest. If you do pause, do a reverse diet, get yourself into a better, you know, mental and physical state, and then sort of pick back up where you left off. Um, I, I think it can be hard sometimes when you still have weight you want to lose to be like, oh, but I don't want to, I don't want to take a break from this. I don't want to work on maintaining right now. I just want to keep going. And really kind of parenting yourself through that of like, well, what is this experience going to be like? And how successful am I going to be long term if you know this is how I'm feeling now? And if I keep pushing through that. And again, this is where having a coach as an advisor comes in, somebody who can be objective and remind you, let's look big picture here. How is this going to affect your long-term health, your sanity, your quality of life? And to help guide you through that process and reassure you. Increasing calories does not mean you are going to regain all the weight immediately and um, and all that stuff. So this has been incredibly helpful. I hope for that for you guys listening, it has given you some food for thought, whether you're currently in a plateau or even just thinking about how you've handled them in the past and you know, you know, jumping ship, trying to do something more drastic, and that now you'll be better equipped to kind of figure out strategically, what's the what's the next best thing for me? If you want our help doing that, our 12-week Gone for Good program is perfect. You can go to estrianet.com slash coaching, get all the info about that. You can also DM me gone on uh, Instagram. I'll know what you're talking about. And we can chat about your situation and your goals and, and how we can help. Lauren, thank you so much for your time, for being here. I know that you just have such amazing insights for our listeners. And I'm so grateful to have you. Thank you guys for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Diet Free Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've listened to them all, I appreciate you being here. One way you can help this podcast succeed is to subscribe, rate, and review it. If you don't mind doing those things, I would love to thank you with a copy of our weekend survival guide designed to help you have weekends you enjoy that don't set you back from reaching your goals. Just send a screenshot of your review to admin at estheravant.com and we'll send it over. And don't forget to check out estheravant.com slash coaching for all the info about our Gone for Good coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your health and weight loss goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every, every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after.